Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. Today's title is A Few Bad Men. You'll say, well, what is this about the mafia? Yes, it's about the mafia. The mafia in the U.S. military. What? What am I talking about? Wait until you hear this story. We're going to speak with Major Fred Galvin, 27 years U.S. Marine Corps, enlists at 17, rises from the enlisted ranks, becomes an officer, serves in Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait, and elsewhere, led the first special ops company in the Marines, earned 49 military medals and ribbons, including the Bronze Star. And then what happens? He's set up to take the fall for a crime that was not committed in Afghanistan, a crime they did not commit, and their leader, Major Galvin, fought 11 years to redeem the name of himself and his men. This is an amazing story. You will hear who the villains are. You will hear who the heroes are. But more than that, you'll hear what America must do, which is A, listen to this story and send it to five other people who care about the honor of the United States military. And please, damn it, buy the book A Few Bad Men. Now, what you're about to hear is a true story, a terrible true story of the military turning on its heroes. And as you will hear, you will learn why the phrase military music is to music, what justice is to military justice. You will hear why the recruitment in the military today is at its lowest point in a very long time. So please settle back and listen to Major Fred Galvin and Michael Savage discussing a few bad men. Thank you for listening. Major, how are you this morning? Good, sir. How are you? Well, I'm not the sir you are. You're the guy who's been there and done that. Um, a pleasure to have you on the Michael Savage podcast. Your story is an amazing, I don't know how to call it, tragedy. It's uh, a reality. It's a reality. <laughs> okay. Well, let me begin by, by stating to my audience, I'm going to do an introduction after this interview to set things up. But years ago, I was offended by a very public case of Lieutenant Behenna. I'm sure you remember that one. Yes. Why didn't we hear about your story? I mean, you wrote a book now called A Few Bad Men, which we're going to talk about after 27 years devoted to the United States of America and the U.S. Marine Corps. Was there a reason we didn't hear about what was done to you while it was being done? Yes, and that is um, we expect the Taliban to fight us and to use even information warfare, but we don't expect the United States military to use information warfare. They put a gag order on us so oh. that myself and the other co-defendant and our attorneys, they said our attorneys would be disbarred. So when we went into the courtroom, this was the longest trial Marine Corps history. And the fact that they got away with it, that's the, when you read all about this at the end of chapter 28, you're like, Hey, all these guys got promoted. 
and they got away with this. You mean the top officers who did this to your your warriors? Correct. Yes. So it took 11 years. I filed uh, through the Freedom of Information Act in federal court twice uh, and battled to get all this declassified. And as you read everything in the book, there's nothing. This is a garden variety gun battle. There's no reason to classify any of this. It's not Jason Bourne's knock list or the orbital satellites. We're talking a complex ambush. So, but uh, when we went in that courtroom, they used a very rare trial, not a court martial, a court of inquiry. And what that was is there's look it up. There's no rules of evidence. So they would pitch their one-sided narrative. Wait, it sounds like the January 6th hearings. Right. <laughs> and you would own, so everything that was from our side, the defense, even character witnesses that weren't even in Afghanistan, they would say, we're going to go to closed session and out the media went. So although the jury heard everything, you only heard in the media one side of the story. How can so, this happen in the United States of America? I'm asking this question yes. because we know it's happening on a national level right now with the Biden administration, from my point of view. And I was going to do a podcast next week on from an old book, old book called How the USA is the USA now like the USSR. It's from a book I did years ago called Scorched Earth. I asked the question then, we're living through it now, but you lived through it through this mock trial. You didn't have a trial. You had an execution. You were assassinated before you even sat down in the courtroom. Yes. A lot of people think, well, what's the big deal? Why are you doing this? Well, the greater implication is if our military, which people look at with a lot of respect comparatively to other professions, if they can get away with this and they did, this is a nonfiction story. Everything that happened in that courtroom that you read in the last half of the book, that is what I spent 11 years getting declassified. It's all their sworn statements that they thought would never see the light of day because they protected these senior officers by classifying everything. So as soon as somebody that they wanted to protect, they would move the media two buildings over and completely get them out of any earshot of anything that was happening. It's that bad. And it's worse than I would imagine. You know, I remember a movie, which I just re-saw the other day, called Paths of Glory with Kurt Douglas. I'm sure you've seen it years ago. Yes. About how the upper echelon generals in World War I in France were partying and waltzing while their men were being executed, where they randomly selected men to be executed because they wouldn't, they said they wouldn't charge into battle to a guaranteed suicide mission. And they just told the colonel to select several men at random to kill them. And people couldn't believe that that actually happened in World War I. But what they did to you and your men, basically, was character assassination. To and, this day. But who did day. it? Who, who was the, the chief of this pyramid? Who was the top? So when we were kicked out, the Army handed this over to the Marine Corps. And the commandant of the Marine Corps assigned then Lieutenant General Jim Mattis as the convening authority. So he was the one that uh, he had all 30 testimonies of those of us who were on the patrol that morning. He had my polygraph and my sworn testimony. He he chose to not listen to any of that and send 45 criminal investigators and four prosecuting attorneys to dogpile on the seven of us who were falsely accused uh, of mass murder. So this isn't, uh, you know, some minor infraction, sir. This is. 
19 counts of murdering Afghan women and children, 50, 50 counts of wounding them. This is the largest number of alleged Afghans being murdered by machine guns in the whole war in Afghanistan. It's equivalent to what some may remember, a uh, melee incident in Vietnam. Where is General uh, Mattis today? General Mattis is back on the board of General Dynamics. Ah, I see. Teaching at Stanford and oh. uh, recently wed to a, a young woman. Uh, so he's enjoying his life. Uh, as you may recall, he was also, after he retired, he was on four boards of directors. Uh, one of those you, I'm sure, are very familiar with. It's called Theranos. Uh, prior to him joining the board in 2012, he sent multiple emails to the Pentagon. This is when he was in charge of all forces of the Middle East as a commanding general of CENTCOM, stating, we are a year into this. Tell me what obstacles need to be removed. So he wanted to use this blood testing products on our lads. Now, this is Varanos, the corrupt date company. Yes, Theranos. Director. And I went, went to prison for what she faked her data. He's, uh, yet to be sentenced, but she's been indicted. Yes. And he was, he was pushing her company. Well, here's the other deal, Dr. Savage. Uh, last year, uh, not only did General Mattis in 2012 send these emails trying to coerce the leaders in the Pentagon to skirt FDA approval. A lot of people don't like being jabbed, especially that our military has to be forced into getting right. something that is not approved by the FDA. But that's what General Mattis wanted. He was urging that. And then he retires, goes to work on their board. Here's 10 years later, uh, they testifies in front of Congress last year saying the general didn't know. I had no idea. Well, you have a fiduciary obligation to those investors to make sure that, I mean, the reason they hire generals is to get access, especially four-star generals, to get access to the Pentagon to dangle the carrot and uh, coerce those leaders that they promoted for the last 15, 20 years into buying their products. But nothing happened. Nothing happened at all to General Mattis. Oh, no, the corruption between the military, they they say the military-industrial complex, going back to Eisenhower's famous speech, but the military-media complex is almost more dangerous, in my estimation. I remember... There was a general, I won't ask you to comment because maybe you know him, maybe you like him. And I respected him for years until he suddenly became one of the greatest uh, um, proponents of this war against Russia with Ukraine as a proxy. This fellow on Fox News, Major, I think Keene, I don't remember his name, or General Keene, the, the military expert. Yes. Every day he was pushing this war, and I didn't understand why until I looked up his uh, connections. He's on the board of one of the major manufacturers of weapons yes and i said how do people not understand this michael savage a host like no other well i want to tell the audience again which we've done at the beginning but i want to remind them i'm talking with major fred galvin who's the author of a book you must read called a few bad men this is a classic that should live forever. And what the story is, it's about an elite team of U.S. Marines set up to take the fall for Afghanistan war crimes. They did not even commit. And their leader, who I'm speaking with, Major Fred Galvin, who fought for the redemption of his men, is now spending time with you. If you loved American Sniper or A Few Good Men, you have to read this book. And I'll tell you more about it 
again at the end, and we'll talk about it more. But Major Galvin served 27 years in the U.S. Marine Corps, beginning as a 17-year-old who rose from the enlisted ranks to become an officer. Not an easy task. Serving in Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait, and elsewhere, Major Galvin led the first special ops company in the Marines. Listen to that one. And earned 49 military medals and ribbons, including the Bronze Star. And General Mattis still crucified him and his men for personal gain. Now, why did he do this, do you think? It wasn't a vendetta against you, was it? What, was it because the political winds were blowing against the war and he wanted to sacrifice a few good men? There's a few different reasons. One is the Marine Corps never wanted to have an elite with an elite. So what you just read, Dr. Savage, that is not only true, that had been experimented twice before in Marine Corps history. Once in World War II, where they created the Marine Corps Raiders. And after two years, they disbanded them. Why? Two years fighting combat. And then in 1987, the uh, Secretary of Defense founded the U.S. Special Operations Command. The Marine Corps resisted and did not send anyone to that. Uh, until 2006, where uh, Dr. Rumsfeld had been pleading for five years for the Marine Corps to contribute forces. They slow rolled. They did some proof of concept experimenting. They sent a few officers to be liaison officers, the Special Operations Command. The Marine Corps never wanted this. So what did they do when they formed us? They actually even put us on Navy ships with the conventional Marine Corps in order to control us and hold on to us. Then when we were pulled off by the army uh, and sent into Afghanistan and worked for uh, army colonel there, uh, they gave us zero personnel to support us. No cooks, no uh, supply personnel to order food. They just sent us to this uh, base at the foot of the Tora Bora mountains. And if you want to uh, make sure that your force is incapable of doing anything, you withdraw all the logistics. Why? So, I, I'm, you know, as a civilian, why would the Marine Corps not want a special ops unit within it? Well, it's a, uh, you know, if you and I were up at the bar, you, you may uh, enjoy uh, having a beer on my tab. And the Marine Corps doesn't like that. Marine Corps isn't a organization that has a lot of funding. Uh, so if they're going to spend the money on the beer, they want to drink that beer. Mm-hmm. And if they want to fund, you know, because when you contribute forces to the special operations command, uh, what happens is just like what happened to us. We go in and we started working for the army. The Marine Corps doesn't like having to man train and equip and paying all that time money for their best units to go and be used by the army or the Navy or, or somebody other than themselves. Oh, so it's just it, financial, but there must be more to it. Is it that war. there must be some more to it from the Marine Corps point of view? Yes. It's always been that way. And you saw that, like I said, back to world war two, but it's similar to, uh, someone bringing their girlfriend home to meet the wife. Once you have something younger and more <laughs> dazzling, you know, in the bedroom, somebody's going to have to be getting a thrown. kick out of that one. Bringing the girlfriend home to meet the wife. You talk about a, a shootout. Yes. <laughs> so we were actually Dr. Savage, Dr. Rumsfeld had forced this. Uh, let's call it what it is. It was an arranged marriage. This, uh, the headquarters Marine Corps and the special operations command had to come together and participate in activating a Marine special operations command that happened in 2006. We were the first unit to be uh, stood up and trained and deployed. So we were essentially the love child 
which they both wanted to die on the operating table. <laughs> the, the army certainly. You have a way with words, my friend. <laughs> it, well, I think most of your listeners can understand uh, when I'm speaking about uh, things that are are clear and unfortunate. Uh, they're regrettable that uh, we were decided to be sacrificed and disposed. Major Galvin, okay, as a civilian who knows about the military only through books and such. I have friends who served in special units. They never talk about it. I never ask them either. And I once spoke before a special uh, forces Christmas party for a minute, and I, I never forget beginning the speech. I was intimidated. They loved me because of my radio show in those years, and I always supported the troops. And I began by saying, as someone who has never worn the red badge of courage, I'm uh, I'm 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 reluctant to even speak to you today. And I was thinking about those words last night as I went to sleep. Most of us have never worn the red badge of courage. You guys go in there knowing you're going to wear it or you're going to wind up in a coffin one way or the other. You're prepared to get hurt. We civilians are not. So that's why we revere you. We understand that without men of your caliber, we wouldn't have a nation. As of right now, I don't even want to go into what I think is happening in the military. I think everyone knows it's being purposely destroyed because of political uh, machinations. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. But to get back to your story, a few good men. I don't want to lose the forest for the trees. Let's go back the day of the ambush in question that General Mattis and the others crucified you and your men for. What actually happened? Yes, we entered a village right on the Afghan-Pakistan border. And as everyone that's uh, studied Afghanistan, we were not allowed to go into Pakistan. So what was going on there in Pakistan, that was a basic like a training sanctuary, a little bubble that the U.S. and our coalition forces could not enter and uh, go after the enemy. So they would fully train and radicalize these foreign fighters and then bring them across this border checkpoint on this uh, paved road that the U.S. fully funded and built for the, the Afghans, the only paved road in Afghanistan at the time. So what, what, went, into, went into Pakistan so they could retreat yes. and, and have safe harbor. It sounds yes. like Cambodia in the early days of the Vietnam War, doesn't it? It's a modern day Ho Chi Minh Trail. So okay. this is where all the opium and poppy would be exported to fund oh, yeah. terrorism. Ah, you need a good road for that, for sure. Yes. We just accelerated it by paving this road, <laughs> which allowed the importation of mass scale of foreign fighters. And what do you think's in the first village on the Afghanistan side? Well, think of Amazon Fulfillment Center. This is a big <laughs> distribution node where they'd link up with their handlers and then go uh, from from that little village where we entered out to uh, the outer reaches of Afghanistan to get their jihad on against the infidel. So as we entered that town, it was lined up on both sides of the road. And we passed through there three hours earlier. Um, that was a normal pattern of life. They were in their little uh, market, uh, normal atmospherics. We come back at nine o'clock in the morning, lined up on both sides of the road, fighting age men only. We'd seen these indications when there's a mass exodus of women and children that there's likely to be a fight. Uh, as soon as we were all in the center of this uh, 
you know, mass looked like a parade. A car bomb went off right in front of our patrol. Uh, a massive van filled with explosives and shrapnel from mortars detonated. Then uh, we had a vehicle from the south side to our left uh, approach us with three jihadists hanging out of the windows, firing their AK-47s fully automatic at that second vehicle. And then uh, we immediately stopped. We aimed in, shot and killed those three jihadists hanging out of the windows. The driver of that vehicle bailed out and uh, fought, continued to fight from a ditch against us. He later testified as a government prosecution witness in the trial by video teleconference. As it's uh, laid out in the book, you can hardly imagine this. Then we started getting fire from. He testified against you and your men for the prosecution by the U.S. military. The prosecution thanked him. So when you read, I mean, that's his exact words that uh, he swore on the Quran and to Allah that would be 100 percent truthful. So, uh, yeah, they brought him in. Uh, They also had all of the information uh, of what this guy's background was. So they they brought in a known terrorist and uh, had him testify against us. Back us up. What year did this happen? In what year? So we were formed in 2006. We were ambushed 2007. We were tried in the longest Marine Corps war crimes trial in 2008. Who was the president in 08? Uh, that was still the Bush administration. Oh, hmm. Yeah. So I wonder this, what would have happened if Trump was president at the time. I don't think you would have been tried personally. Well, here, here are some things. Uh, this road to clear our names has lasted 15 years, which this book is a part of uh, the late Congressman Walter B. Jones of the North Carolina second district, which is where we were stationed in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. He, in 2017, in the 115th Congress, he sponsored House Resolution 21 to have the Marine Corps make a public statement, an official statement, clearing our name, saying that we are not at fault in the ambush on 4 March 2007. So we didn't ask for anything crazy. We weren't asking for awards or promotions. We were just asking for, because, Michael, here's the situation. Ours was the only trial in Marine Corps history that never used legal terms. They never said we were innocent or <laughs> guilty or that the case was dismissed. They said we acted appropriately, which allowed the press to continue to slander us with these drive-bys continuously. It lasted for seven years until I retired. I don't know I how you have on. the, I mean, you, you have the, the, obviously you have the guts to have gone into the Marines at 17 and fought in all these battles. And they didn't know who they were dealing with. You fought them for 11 years to exonerate your, your honor is what you did. Did they strip you of your pension as well? No, they actually tried to do that. So, <laughs> Uh, I went back to Afghanistan uh, as soon as I could. Uh, You may think I'm crazy now. Uh, I went back uh, in 2011 to serve as the operations officer. And uh, as it's detailed in the book, A Few Bad Men, the commanding officer decided to withhold any firepower when one of these uh, Marine platoons was being enveloped uh, for 50 minutes. He took no action. And then he used the highest amount of munitions, a 500-pound bomb, dropped it only 34 meters away from that platoon uh, who they didn't report me behind any uh, protection. Uh, They were in a ditch, which we couldn't see on the map. We didn't have a drone video uh, feed provided to us, but uh, so he drops that. And then he fires two more surface fire rockets. When those jets went off station, these are 675 pound warheads. Each fires them in open sheet. I mean, this ended up, 
not just shaking their brains, of which one Marine later hung himself afterwards, but he, the commanding officer, prohibited anyone that was in that fire attack from uh, from receiving a traumatic brain injury uh, medical uh, evaluation when they were in Afghanistan and even when they got back. So to one cover of these young up, sergeants, cover up what was done to them, cover it up. He you know, is th- this again almost sounds like paths of glory. I hate to keep comparing it to a fictional story. Yes, where an officer is told to fire on his own men in the trenches to make them get out of the trenches and charge into a guaranteed death. So it seems to me that upper echelon of military, these so-called guys like Mattis, are not atypical in their evil doing, but you're the one who was victimized by it. But, you know, I have a a question that it's a little off the wall here to go back. We'll go back, if you don't mind, in a moment to what happened and what they falsely accused you of which is of course the entire theme of a few bad men i watch a lot of movies so i watch one called the operator the other night you probably don't most guys who actually been in action don't watch these movies but this this one almost seemed real to a civilian i watched one the night before that didn't seem real called the gray man it seemed like utter crap for children cartoons people killing each other left and right But these films have a theme that Hollywood makes, which is that the military itself will go after the hero after they use the hero and kill the hero. In your case, they killed you. They try to kill you. As I say, character assassination, career assassination. I'm surprised, you know, without going any further, that they didn't go to the next step. Well, once they, on that first deployment to Afghanistan, they tried to imprison us. I mean, mass murder uh, carries Article 134 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Mass pu- max punishment is death. Uh, we were exonerated, went back to Afghanistan, uh, stood up to the commanding officer who told me after those firefights, and I said, we can't do this. Uh, the only assignment I had outside of the operating forces and Marines where I was in a unit that deployed uh, was as an instructor, the Marine Corps version of Top Gun. And I was the one that instructed and uh, delivered aviation ordnance. Uh, so that was my forte. This commanding officer said, Fred, I'm willing to sacrifice the lives of these Marines. So as you mentioned, Dr. Savage, you know, we do have these Chateau generals, Chateau leaders in the Marine Corps. That officer that said that said it twice. He's still in the Marine Corps. They promoted him. They gave him some fancy awards, command assignments. Uh, he's still leading uh, all these uh, officers in the Marine Corps right now from a, a higher level position. Uh, so what happened is they sent me, they, they relieved me. They sent me back to Okinawa, which was our base from Afghanistan. Uh, they, so I, I took a polygraph that, you know, Proclaim that uh, my commanding officer told me that twice, that he's willing to sacrifice the lives of these Marines. And then uh, I sent that with a tale of the tape summary to 88 members of Congress, all of those in the House and Senate Armed Services Committee, mm-hmm. my Kansas uh, representative, my Kansas senators, uh, I sent it to the inspector general. And uh, less than a month later, I did that on the 27th of November, 2011, I got a Christmas present uh, signed by a three-star general in charge of all the manpower in the Marine Corps, signed on 25 December 2011, Christmas Day. That's a four-day weekend in the Marine Corps. So a three-star probably didn't just go in there after opening the presents with his family, 
uh, on his own accord. That was most likely, I have to make an assumption here, but probably not what he chose to do on his own on Christmas Sunday, but he went in there, signed that letter, sending me to an involuntary separation board to kick me out, which again, they, they met, this was when I was stationed in Okinawa. They've, they said there is nothing to substantiate any type of misconduct whatsoever. Uh, but they did try to separate me from the Marine Corps when I had over 20 years and uh, multiple combat deployments and years overseas. Um, but they, they will do this to, there's a case right now with three additional special operators from the Marine Special Operations Command. Uh, this case is called the MARSOC 3. It was tried last month in June. They're awaiting their verdict. So have you ever known on the civilian world where they wait for a verdict for over a month? That smells of politics and that's something, and we, we can't have that be, be influenced by politics. It's either, I mean, these guys defended themselves from somebody that was beating on them in Iraq. Uh, they used one punch. They came in and hit this guy. He got knocked down, hit his head and died four days later. That was unintentional, but they're trying, they, all three to include the Marine gunnery sergeant, by the way, who's African-American who got punched twice and the guy was coming in a third time, you know, he was surrounded by seven other assaulters uh, who all ran and fled, but these guys are being tried right now. So this isn't a one-off case. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. You were accused of war crimes. That's what they accused you of war, like a My Lai massacre, in other words. Of course, it was all false. And you took yes. years, 11 years in court to have your name and the names of your men exonerated. Um, I'm sure it's taken a tremendous toll on you and, and, and the men. I, I can't imagine what it would do to a person who devotes his life and risks his life for a nation, have a nation basically stab him in the back. Did anyone in Congress come to your aid ever in all these years? Yes. We actually, uh, it, that was started off by Congressman Walter B. Jones, God rest his soul. And then uh, other congressmen eventually, and this is what's uh, beautiful about American people. And when they hear the voice of what has actually gone on, we did end up having bipartisan, bicameral support uh, for this case. And that is what's needed now to make sure that these Chateau generals, when, like in our case, we had the government prosecutor went in there and threatened a Marine. They wore civilian clothes posing as NCIS. This is illegal. Uh, you can't do a scene wait, like wait, in the movie. Wait, these were these were Marine officers, prosecutors. Re- pretending they were civilian lawyers? Yes. Well, they, they pretended they were the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. They oh. went in and conducted an interrogation. They threatened to deport a Marine's mother. If And here's a Marine who legally immigrated, legally naturalized, legally joined the Marine Corps. His crime was he decided he wants to serve his nation during a time of war, and not just the Marine Corps, but in the elite unit. He served in both force reconnaissance and Marine Special Operations. He was the driver of the vehicle that uh, was blown up, you know, that the car bomb went off right in front of uh, his, right in front of his face on the bumper of his car. So they used people with perceived vulnerabilities to do this ethnic targeting. They did the same thing to another he, Marine. He was it's Hispanic. All- he was Hispanic or was Middle Eastern Marine. Yeah. I, I don't understand. How- and he actually signed Dr. Savage, <clears throat> the Sergeant signed their fabricated statement 
because they put him under duress. So he had to make a decision, which is so immoral. What, they deport his mother unless he signed this false, this false accusation against you and your men? You have to make a decision between your brothers in arms and your blood family. God. They knew that vulnerability that we have been on ABC. So the Marine Corps to this day has never said a single word about any of this. They don't want this book to, obviously they slow rolled the freedom of information act for 11 years. Uh, it went through the Pentagon's office, a pre-publication review and took three times as long as it normally supposed to. Uh, when this, did the, wait, when did the book, a few bad men come out last month, June? And, and is it, are people reading it? Is it selling? Yes, it is selling. Well, we're going to make sure that everyone listening to this buys a copy. I'm going to make sure that they can't listen to me ever again. That would be great. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm going to insist that they buy the book because it, it's not just, you know, it's not just about you. You are fighting for not only your own honor, the honor of your men, but the honor of the Marine Corps itself. They don't even know that, that if this does not get resolved properly, the entire military will suffer. You're seeing that right now with the recruitment rates. The army yes. just just over two months left in the fiscal year, and they're not even at fifty percent of their recruiting goals. So people realize that when your leaders don't have your back, when they don't trust the leaders, do you think parents want their children no. to join the military? Of course. Well, not, not only that, but they're they're telling white boys, and I don't want to get into the politics. That's what I do for a living. That they're no good, but then they want them to go sacrifice their life for a nation that hates them. They, they inculcate them that there's, the country's a racist nation. White men are no good. What the hell is going on? How do they expect anybody to enlist in the, in, in the military if they say that to a young kid who's been told he's garbage from the day he entered school and then put on medication? But that's a story for another time. Yes. I, I don't want to lose the focus, and nor do I want to drag you into my political view views. Um, I have to get back to the book, A Few Bad Men by Major Fred Galvin, who is speaking with us today about one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in military history, those are my words, men who were falsely accused of war crimes, set up basically for a fall by General Mattis, according to what we're hearing, and other such so-called chateau generals, which is, did you call them chateau generals? Yes, sir. A great phrase. So how many years you fought back in court? Where did you get the money to do this? Is there a defense fund? There, there was a legal defense fund. It was only for the uh, families, the, the Marines, the enlisted Marines um, that myself and the one other officer who went to actually went to trial of the seven of us. Um, we did not, uh, that funds was only for the other five enlisted Marines. So um, how, how did you raise money to defend yourself? Ilario Pantano, who was a Marine who also went through a trial. After oh, I remember battle. the name, I think. Yes. After the Battle of Fallujah, he stood up a Defend the Defenders Fund, which paid the legal defense fund for all five of the enlisted Marines. There was a uh, an organization that helped uh, Marines before that I worked with years ago. I think uh, they're still around. Is, uh, do you still need funds into the into the uh, defense? So fund? this current case that's occurred in Iraq from 2019, which involves three other personnel from the same command, Marine Special Operations Command. Uh, there's two Marine gunnery sergeants and a Navy chief petty officer. Uh, they've been under fire for the last three and a half years since January 1st, 2019. Their legal defense fund is the United, Air- United American Patriots. It's www.uap.org. And uh, so they were tried last month and they, the judges 
it was a judge verdict, not a jury. They they have not released the verdict. Uh, a judge, day. a single judge. Well, there's they tried separately the Navy corpsman at the U.S. Navy Yard on the 29th of January, July, June, I'm sorry. And then uh, the Thursday before that, they tried the two Marines down in uh, Camp Lejeune. The judges were both uh, Marine colonels in both those uh, cases. But it's stemming from the, the same event where uh, one Marine was clubbed by a 275-pound retired Green Bray bodybuilder, an employee, by the way, at Lockheed Martin, our nation's largest defense contractor. This happened in Erbil, Iraq, uh, where that bodybuilder went out, surrounded uh, these three with seven of his buddies, came in and clubbed him twice. And uh, the other Marine gunnery sergeant came in, uh, delivered one punch, knocked him out. And like I said, they, they medically evacuated him. He ended up going to this Rick Rodriguez, the contractor, going to a Landstuhl, Germany, and died where he died four days later. Well, I'm, I lost the who got who died? The, the bodybuilder? The defense the, contractor. Big guy. The, the, the big, big guy who was uh, the, assaulting the, the Marine. Who who knocked him out with one punch? Another Marine, his buddy, after he was, his friend was punched twice in the face. But what, they didn't what, what was the fight about? The fight stemmed from uh, the contractor who was trying to uh, prove that the, the, the Navy chief had uh, disrespected him, that he didn't show that he was, the Green Beret was retired and he was more senior and he didn't pay, you know, tip his hat. And, uh, All right, so it was an, okay, tough guys. Yeah strong and they fought with each other right he was giant giant compared to the other guy yes he was and then pounded the hell out of a guy and one of them comes along knocks him out with one punch correct and is being charged they're all three being charged with homicide to include what yes homicide homicide this is an ongoing case so people read about the marsock three i've been advocating them i went out to get their uh, legal representation uh, and their their case is so weak that on the government side that they sent a full bird Marine colonel down from the Pentagon in November and he threatened uh, the defense attorneys. There was a group of eight defense attorneys in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, that all wrote sworn affidavits and submitted saying this Marine colonel, Christopher Shaw, uh, stated that your your fitness report can protect you, but you're not shielded if you continue to defend these cases. So that's what you expected, like in the mob, but not in the United States <laughs> Marine Corps. But this is continuing. You read about our case and all these egregious acts, how they put a gag order on us, that they wouldn't let us speak to the media, how they continue to move the media out of the courtroom, how they threatened this one Marine's mother to be deported, how they threatened another Latino by telling him he, they were ordering him to uh, take a polygraph, which was illegal. Uh, but they continue to harass just him because they knew like it's likely that you can have deception indicated if English is not your native language. So they continue to do this ethnic targeting uh, And the Marine Corps has these policies on hazing and bullying, but they do it themselves. Uh, how is it not when you have a Marine colonel go down and threaten a Marine captain and seven other defense attorneys what's the purpose? And, and that Marine Colonel, nothing's happened to him. He's kept his security clearance. He's kept all his, his special pays that he gets. I can, for I can attorney. see why the recruitment is down these days. People right. are starting to understand there. They have no rights. You know, there was a saying, and I'll probably uh, mix it up if it says military music. I, I wrote it down. I remember that military music is to music. What justice is to military justice. I don't know who said that years ago. 
Uh, it was supposed to be a joke, but it's no joke. There is no military justice. These JAG courts are basically kangaroo courts that do exactly what the top brass want them to do. Isn't that true? That's, that's essentially what you have. And as soon as our case was uh, right in the middle of investigation, General Mattis allowed that dogpiling of seven to one odds, 49 criminal investigators and prosecutors to come after the seven of us. Well, he, what happened? He got his fourth star oh. went on uh, to bigger and better things. Uh, but this is not a one-off. I've had several people reach out to me and tell me their cases, which uh, General Mattis is uh, uh, strong-armed in, in their cases. But this is the most egregious by far. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. So you fought for 11 years after fighting for the nation for 27 years. Um, I, I don't want to ask personal questions because I don't think they're relevant. Who published this book, A Few Bad Men? Let's start with that. I'm a published author, and I know right now it's very difficult, if not impossible, to get a, uh, an honest conservative political book published. How did you get your book published? It's very interesting. Is uh, We tried through uh, two literary agents. All the New York publishing companies didn't want to publish this book. Of course not. Um, so th- how it really went is very circuitous. A friend from uh, back in Kansas introduced me to uh, uh, two Hollywood producers who said, hey, uh-huh. have you tried to get this uh, published? And I said, yeah, we failed. And uh, so they put me with the author, Salamana, the co-author in this book. And um, so that uh, has been published through Post Hill Press. And uh, we are we are selling this book. So please buy the book and don't wait for a movie. And no, uh, will there be a movie? I believe there will be a movie. Yes. Oh, God, I hope they don't just change the story for popular yeah. consumption. Right. You know, you that's what happens when one of these movies like it's like the generals in the in, that you're talking about. The guy said, well, you know, take that scene. I'll put this one and they change the whole the whole story around for the for the public to make you guys look bad. Uh, is there a current legal defense fund? I want to reiterate again, if anyone's listening to this podcast, in addition to, to buying the book, which you better do a few bad men by Major Fred Galvin. Is there a legal defense fund currently operational? that they can contribute money to, because I will put this on my website for whatever it may or may not be worth. Yes. I ask the listeners to do take two actions. One is uh, www.congress.gov back or forward slash members, contact your congressman, have them join the initiative that Congressman Louis Gomert has to support the MARSOC three and have their case dismissed. Oh, it's Gomert is the good guy here. Okay. Yes. So now Gomert has, uh, taken the role of the the late Congressman Jones, who was fighting in the Marsoc 7 case. That was the case I was involved in. Now this current case where uh, this one Marine was attacked, uh, he was defended by his fellow Marine with only one punch, not not two, no weapons, no kicking, no foul language. And uh, all three are being charged with homicide. Their mm-hmm. legal defense fund for these the Marsoc three is their case. You can web search and find all about the Marsoc threes, but their website is www.uap.org. That's United American Patriots. And uh, they have a special fund that you can support uh, the Marsoc three. Marsoc is an, is a very familiar name from many years ago. Wasn't there a, a, a... you, you may, the Marine Corps likes uh, the acronym. So you may be thinking of some type of meal. Oh, there was a man. No, there was a military guy named Marsac actually had a name. His name was 
<laughs> okay, so that's that's an acronym. I thought it was a person who was being crucified. <laughs> it's nothing that uh, you hang above your Christmas panel at Christmas time. It's a uh, stands for Marine Special Operations Command. Okay, I I said okay. Wait, I know that name. And now wait, Louis Gomer. You know, I have his name here. We were going to interview him on something else. What what district is he from? Where is he from, Congressman Gomer? Uh, Congressman Louis Gomer is uh, representative. Not. Off the top of my head, I can't remember the district, but it's in North Carolina. In North Carolina. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Texas had a senior moment there. No, no. <laughs> Texas. Don't get me started on, on that. You're still fighting. The military has not properly atoned for the hardships you and your men experienced, correct? Correct. Okay. Not at all. Will the military change their opinion under any circumstance, in your estimation, looking forward? That will take the people of the United States uh, rising up and demanding accountability uh, for this. And that will only happen when there's a congressional hearing. Uh, right now, the thing that most Americans who are homeowners pay the most for is their home. But if you, if you had a warranty for your home, and that's the most expensive thing that you pay for, and it's constantly failing, and that warranty, which you are paying a premium for, is is ineffective right now i compare that same thing to when you take out all the entitlements the welfare uh, disability the non-discretionary the number one thing that we spend on a federal budget is the department of defense and if it's not working if those leaders took us to a war for 20 years that benefited the military industrial complex and i call it the no general left behind program because all these generals go straight up look at the last chairman of joint chiefs of staff Who's he working for? Lockheed Martin. Who was that? General Dunford. And that's the well, same what's different. Look, I, I don't want to get your opinion on this, but to me, this war, uh, this proxy war against Russia and Ukraine is totally insane. And it's the same story all over again. Yes. Biden pulls us out of Afghanistan, leaves behind two hundred billion dollars worth of equipment. One step. No one knows how much. Nobody knows where the equipment went. And, and the left says, oh, great. We're no longer at war. And literally within months, we're now at war, sending more advanced weapons to Ukrainians who are perhaps the most corrupt country on earth. Nobody knows where the weapons are going. And we're back where we started from. And and roll the drums. Many of the same spokesmen of expertise on the, uh, the, the television channels are working for these defense contractors. So we're back where we started from. But even worse, I don't think this ends very well for this country, uh, especially with the recruitment levels being as low as they are the morale being as low as it is, it's like the cops in any major city. They're brave men, most of them. They could do the job, but their chiefs don't let them. They handcuff them. Yes. The same thing going on with the military. Is that a correct assessment right now? On a- yes. Well, the those generals that uh, look at Mattis, he's back with General Dynamics. Where did the current Secretary of Defense come from, Raytheon? It's this revolving door. They're all, look at the boards of all these when you fly into Reagan International or Dulles, look at the names on the tops of those buildings surrounding the intelligence community in the Pentagon and look who's on their boards. Uh, this is a conflict of interest, but you have to have badge access to get into the building. So guess what? The only way you get around having badge access is hire retired four-star generals and admirals, and you don't need badge access. That's the, I just finished. Uh, you may think I'm even crazier, but uh, <laughs> I've worked for four more years as a government civilian. Uh, for the Marines, uh, which I just left just three months ago. A government civilian? Yes. What is Marine. As what? Uh, Contractor? I was both a, 
a government civilian, uh, sworn uh, government uh, GS employee, and a contractor at different times. So, uh, but uh, and in various different roles. But the reason I say this is you want a job as a personal security agent. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Flattering, but uh, I'm working uh, for Tesla now, and I'm uh, quite. You are, uh, you're working for Tesla. Yes. You mean for the for for um the owner? Not in that capacity of a. Uh, I'm a manager at one of the facilities. <laughs> I thought I thought you were one of the guards. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I I was in the White House a couple of years ago when Trump was the president. President Trump loved the man, and we were waiting in the anteroom, and in comes. Musk with now this is inside a, the most secure place on earth, which is the White House. He Musk walks in with four bodyguards who look like current Marines. Yes. And I saying, who comes into the White House with four armed guards? <laughs> it, it was it was Elon Musk. So I said to my family, I said, this is a first. I've never seen anything like that. But uh, yes. I, I uh, said, man, that man sure has security. Yeah, this is the richest man in the world. You may need it. <laughs> but into the president, I had—I didn't go in with security. I went in with a, with a smile. Are there any final words for the listeners? I'm going to give some final words before your final words. Yes. Guest is Major Fred Galvin. The book is A Few Bad Men, which I really do implore everyone. You better read this damn thing if you want to save the military and save the truth. And then there's some defense funds we're going to put on michaelsavage.com. Um, Major Galvin, final words. Yes, it is very imperative that, that Americans don't uh, turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to what is going on in our military. Uh, it's As I just mentioned to Dr. Savage, I spent four years, uh, so I have very recent experience. Uh, and that's on top of the 27 years I served in uniform. Uh, the morale now is the lowest uh, that I've seen since uh, joining in 1987, uh, which is very serious when Chinese are continuing to increase their frequency and scope of their amphibious rehearsals off the east coast of China. North Korea, which our media is not uh, reporting, uh, is constantly launching more and more ballistic missiles. Iran is developing theirs. Uh, Russia, Iran, and China are all planning to do a joint exercise here in three weeks uh, in the Americas hosted by Venezuela. Uh, so if you don't think that our military is not being looked at is the formidable uh, military that we once were, it's not. That's why Russia has invaded Ukraine. And uh, this saber rattling is going on uh, in the Straits of Taiwan. Uh, if you think there's problem with inflation right now, when when those ships are shut off in the Straits of Hormuz or we go to war in the Straits of Taiwan and that one belt, one road, which has over 60, basically what they are as client states, and they shut down the logistics, which America depends on, we haven't seen anything yet. Uh, the way to deter this is to have a strong and ready military, not what we're currently having. Wake up and look at what's going on. Uh, read the book, A Few Bad Men, and you'll see the betrayal of American, the frontline foot soldiers, and this has to be corrected. I have a lot of words that are floating around in my head, and I don't want to throw any out to try and sound too glib. I think you've said all that needs to be said. And again, the book is the important point of this interview. Uh, the author is more important. The book is A Few Bad Men. The guest is Major Fred Galvin. Major Galvin, please let's stay 
in touch. I wish you the best with your book. I'll do everything I can to get the word out. But I don't think the story is over at all. In fact, I think your book and hopefully the movie will be the beginning of the story, or let's say the beginning of an important part of the story. What was done to you is the story thus far. Your battle to save the honor of yourself and your men is the story. But the military and those who persecuted you are doing just fine. That's not a good story. That's a bad story. And I guess that's why the title is A Few Bad Men. Something tells me you want justice. America, we all need justice. If it's not afforded to our military, it's, it's going to become rampant all across, which it already, for the most part, is all across our nation. Major Galvin, I want to thank you again for spending time with myself and with my audience on the Michael Savage podcast. And if I say something such as it's been a great honor, I'm not just using words. Well, thank you very much, sir. It's a truly appreciated. I'm very grateful to have this word get out uh, to, to the listeners here in America. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. You too, sir. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.